Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 233 of The Cutback. My name is Evan. I am solo uh, this evening. Matt had a, a meeting pop up. I've had a really long week uh, at work. We were thinking about maybe just pushing it to later or Matt recording it solo, but I decided, you know, he's got a meeting to go to. It's it's after hours. He worked all day. Um, I'm done work. Let me just come home, have something to eat before I record and, uh, you know, record solo dolo. So if I sound a little odd, uh, I am sick at the minute. So, um, you know, you'll have to pardon if, if there's any sort of um, creaks or, or cracks or anything like that uh, in my voice. But we've got uh, plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, records from excuse me, last week, uh, Matt sent those over for me. Here we go. One moment. <clears throat> the week 24 records, Evan seven and three, Zach seven and three and Matt six and four. So pretty good. Uh, overall record, Zach and I are tied. I am at 125 and 113. Same as Zach and Matt is at 127 to 111. So we're chasing him down. Uh, we are almost at him. And then Matt's given me his picks as well uh, for this upcoming match week. So I'm going to go ahead, take a sip of water, and then we'll get into uh, the first game, which started at 730 uh, on Saturday, uh, the 10th. All right, Manchester City versus Everton. Everybody figured this one would go City's way, and of course, it did. Um, I, I thought Everton actually played really well. Uh, they seemed to be up to the task, uh, defended really well, but we always knew that eventually City would break them down. They had 10 men behind the ball as every single team who comes up against City does. you know, With the exclusion of Liverpool, Arsenal, and, and Tottenham this year, I think everybody's kind of played City the same way. And we've talked about this. I mean, we, we talk about it at length uh, almost every show because City win 2-0, 3-1, something like that. It's rare that, that they concede like an actually well-crafted goal. It's usually because of a mistake. I thought Everton had a chance or two, but really, you know, City just controlled the ball so well. They were happy with their possession. Um, 73%, I think, they held. And the first goal didn't come until uh, pretty late, the 71st minute, when Erling Holland just absolutely smashed one from Nathan Ake uh, on the assist. 14 minutes later, he added another through an assist from KDB. Two really good finishes. I mean, clinical stuff. Good to see Holland uh, back and scoring. I believe these were his first league goals since um, November uh, or something like that. He was out all that time with the bone bruise. So, you know, not really good to see him back. If you're a fan of another top six club, you don't really want to see that, but um, as somebody who enjoys football and, and watches every single week just for good stuff, uh, it, it is, I guess, good to see Erling Holland back. Um, there's not much to say about Everton. I mean, I think the more and more I watch them, the more and more I see little pieces that I think are really solid. 
I think Harrison and Garner are both really solid players. I mean, they'd probably be doing a really good job in, in a better team. Um, the way that Everton play isn't necessarily conducive to uh, how effective those guys can be on the counter and, and attacking. Um, but this was certainly a more conventional lineup. You had the 4-2-3-1 formation I, I really, really like. Um, but everybody gets slotted behind the ball. And you really kind of just rely on your striker for counters. DCL had a chance or two. Um, he just is having a really tough time finishing at the minute. He's got to keep his head down. He's got to keep playing and believing in himself. And eventually, I think, you know, he'll be able to get some to go. But it's been a rather torrid run uh, for him over the last five, six weeks. He's having a very tough time putting the ball in the back of the net. But uh, there's a lot of problems going on at Everton right now. I'm sure, you know, his mind is, is full of all kinds of things that your number nine shouldn't really be worrying about whether it be points deductions or the sale of the club to 777 Enterprises or whatever the fuck they're called. You know, there's a, there's a lot to worry about if you're a player at Everton right now. It's not great stuff. City played the way we thought, uh, got the result we thought. There's not much to add. Holland is uh, going to be back, and he's going to be terrorizing people. Um, okay. Up next, Fulham 3, Bournemouth 1. Uh, man, I thought Bournemouth had a shot in this one, but they, they certainly did not. Scoring started early through Bobby DeCordova Reed, who scored in the sixth. Rodrigo Muniz got one in the 36th. DeCordova Reed on the assist. And then Muniz actually added another in the 52nd with an assist from Willian. And the story was kind of Muniz. I mean, he's Muniz, Muniz. I, I still don't know how to say it, but I've had him on my fantasy team at points this season. Uh, Matt and I have talked about him at length at points this season about, you know, maybe this is a player that can, you know, fill that striking hole that, that they have to Raul Jimenez sized hole. He's not been up to the task. He had that goal against Arsenal and I think he's been rather quiet since then. Um, and Muniz, I mean, he, I thought he looked awesome. Uh, two great finishes, really solid in the link up. Um, Decode over Reed had a fantastic game as well. This team, I still don't think is, is fantastic, but if you have that striking option up top, somebody that you're, you're really going to, um, be able to kind of trust in, then he may be the player that, that you can rely on it's just it, it's been really poor for them they haven't had that that out and out number nine who's able to be everything you need and when you add him up top on top of decord over reed and william who have both been decent i think to see william's been like solid honestly numbers numbers wise it's not a player you'd go and look at um on squawko or on opta but he has been he's passed the eye test this year and at his age it's kind of surprising but he's been very solid defensively they have robinson he's been amazing this year like incredible uh leno's kind of been off the pace but they defended really well and a lot of it comes down to how hard anthony robinson works going forward tracking all the way back and defending uh he's become really quite a leader i think uh, this year for them. They've got Adario Bioyo, however you want to say it. It's a very tough name uh, to pronounce. Uh, he's in and out. They they actually had Diop in there this game, Issa Diop, alongside Reem. Um, you guys know how we feel about Reem here. We, we love him, but at the same time, he, he's 
he's aging out. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. Having Paulinho in front of him, is, them really is such a huge thing. Uh, and I I think he's a player that's obviously of a higher quality than than Fulham. Uh, he'll probably be out at some point this you know next year or two. He'll probably move, uh, whether it's to a bigger club in England or across the pond to Bayern. That's where he's been linked. Um, but a really really good game for Fulham. Bournemouth having a bit of a tough time right now. Um, Solanke not quite on the form that he was on. They're not getting a ton out of their midfield with Tavernier, Christie, and Sinistera. Those are guys who really can cook uh, if you let them get going. But this has been kind of a return to what they were at the beginning of the season, conceding a lot of goals. I didn't think they'd concede three uh, to Bournemouth, and they did. So not a great game. Uh, Solanke did, I believe, score. Or I'm sorry, he he assisted uh, Marco Sinesi in the 50th minute, but that was all. Fulham were in complete control of this game. They had 62% uh, possession of the ball. Uh, Bournemouth had a shit ton of shots, 25 total, but only four of those fell on target. Midfield battles were split 50-50, but never at any point after that goal in the sixth minute, I just thought Fulham were on it. They seemed to defend really well, and a lot of the chances that Bournemouth did have just kind of fizzled. The ball was either shot wide or shot over the bar. I thought, you know, Fulham were the better team. They looked more organized, uh, and they got all three points. Liverpool versus Burnley, 3-1. Diogo Jota scored a goal in the 31st minute, assisted by TAA. Dara O'Shea got one right back on a header in the 45th minute. Um, But just after halftime, Luis Diaz was able to score in the 52nd. Darwin Nunez added one in the 79th. TAA was substituted at halftime. Uh, Harvey Elliott came on, got that assist in the 80th minute. He's such a good player, um, Harvey Elliott. He really, really is. I know a lot of Liverpool fans were really happy when he's come in. Pretty much every single time he touches the pitch, he contributes, I think, even without an assist or without a goal. Um, He's just a very, very solid player, and that was a great buy for them. Uh, We're looking at Mo Salah perhaps coming back um, this weekend. I think he is fully back in training. Um, and this was a game that Liverpool absolutely needed, uh, you know, shoring up that defense after that loss against Arsenal, in which they, def- the defense and the attack, I thought, looked really poor. So a good bounce back. A uh, little bit unfortunate for Burnley, though. Uh, Datro Fofana, he, he had, he really had a couple of chances. He had a couple of chances right after um, that goal from Dara O'Shea where I thought he should have converted both times. One time didn't square his body enough, and then one time squared his body too much, uh, played one right into Allison, and then the other one he just fizzed wide. So unfortunate. They, they probably could have gotten two goals out of this game at least. Um, but in terms of you know players that really were, were on it, I think Fofana was the only one who looked really solid, and he still blew the two chances that he had. So... Burnley are in a really tough spot right now. Uh, I don't know how they're going to dig themselves out. I, I don't really see it happening at this point. We, we've talked about this at length. Um, the table is just getting really ugly there at the bottom. Burnley are on 13. Sheffield are on 13. And then you have Everton who are on 19 still in the drop. Luton are only one point above the drop. Um, but if Burnley don't get 
if they don't string together three, four, five solid results here down the stretch, then there's no doubt that they're going to go down. And we're going to jump right into Luton Town 1, Sheffield United 3, which is a relegation six-pointer in which Sheffield were actually the victors. They won that 3-1. Uh, looked really good. Cameron Archer with a goal in the 30th minute. James McAtee added a penalty in the 36th. Carlton Morris got one back in the 52nd on a penalty, but Vinicius Souza uh, finished the game off in the 72nd minute, made sure that there was no chance um, that Burn- or that Luton Town would be able to get back in this one. Uh, this is really not a result that, that I expected. Uh, at Kenilworth Road, uh, Luton are in decent form. I mean, I think they've been playing pretty well. Um, before this game, they had two draws and a loss, or two draws and a win, rather. Uh, they're on 20 points. They're only a point behind Nottingham Forest now. Three, <coughs> excuse me, four points behind Crystal Palace. I thought heading into this one, this would be a layup for them, uh, knowing they, you know, this was a an easy match against the Sheffield United team who have just been so porous. I mean, they got, they got battered against Villa, uh, and now it's this is tough. If you're a loot, if you're a Luton Town supporter, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's nobody uh, listening to this that's a Luton Town supporter. But watching your team do that um, against Sheffield is is shocking stuff. Sheffield have not scored. They have not defended well. They are a terrible, terrible Premier League team. One of the worst we've ever seen. And letting them walk. Uh, with three points at this point in the season, when you yourself as Luton Town are looking down the barrel of relegation uh, is absolutely shocking. I mean, that is terrible stuff. I'm sure Rob Edwards was very disappointed in his team. I just wasn't, I I wasn't happy with the way that they played. Um, They had 75% of the possession. This comes, this is one of those things that I talk about, you know, with Arsenal where they possess the ball, but you're playing against a team who's just trying to counter you. If you possess the ball and let them have the counter, then chances are they're going to score at least one or two on you. And that's exactly what happened here. Um, Luton played better, but they weren't able to convert. And Sheffield took their chances when they had them, which we don't see often. Is it an anomaly? Yeah, sure. Um, Not sure. It definitely is an anomaly. I think Sheffield are a surefire going down, but um, Luton absolutely have to take this result, and they didn't. It's a a terrible, terrible uh, result for them. And I think towards the end of the season, you have no idea – you know, maybe one of these other teams, maybe Everton comes <clears throat> flying down the stretch or they get their 10 points back. You're going to be in serious trouble if you're looting. So they really needed this one and they weren't able to get it, which is a, a huge disappointment. Uh, next game, Tottenham 2, uh, Brighton 1. Pascal Gross opened the scoring in the 17th minute uh, with a penalty. Pop Matar Sar back from AFCON, back from injury, got one in the 61st. And then at the very end, uh, Brennan Johnson in the 96th minute <clears throat> converted on an assist from none other than Huang Min Son back from the Asian Cup. Um, what a goal, what a moment. I know that Spurs fans were kicking themselves the whole game and people are getting tired of the live by the sword, die by the sword, but 
this is sometimes what happens at the end of games uh, with Tottenham. They have the most points from losing positions this year and the most points dropped from winning positions, <laughs> which is just the biggest indicator of what is going on at that club and the style of football that they play. It is just so fucking dangerous. Um, they were able to beat a Brighton team who looked really good last week. This is a great result. You cannot take anything from them. Uh, Richarlison, I thought, and Werner looked a bit off the pace, but thank God you've got Sun back. You know, this is the first time now in, in a month or two where you've got some depth up top. They've been without Kulisevsky at points. They were without Madison. Now you have Madison, you have Richarlison, you have Sun, and you have Kulisevsky. You can slot Werner to the bench if you want or slot him in, move Son to the right. He can play the right because his, his weak foot is so strong. Um, they can do a multitude of different things now in the attack. You can probably even drop Richarlison back. He can play on the left. Um, there's a lot of things that Ange can do now, but there is no question about whether or not this team needs to shore up the defense. They have the players to do it. Whether those players are healthy is a different question. They're going to be without all of their fullbacks uh, this weekend, which is very unfortunate. Um, but yeah, it's it's such um, just a, a wild ride every single Tottenham game. Great finish um, from Brennan Johnson. It's good to see him. I mean, I think he's playing pretty well given the limited run that he gets. He's coming off the bench a lot of the time. He's been good. I think he's been better than Kulisevsky, to be fair. Uh, these last five, six weeks, and you never know what you're going to get out of him. It's not like you can start him and know exactly what you're going to get, but he scored when they they have needed him to score, and I think you got to give him a little bit of credit for that. On the Brighton side, we saw the return of Ansu Fati, Matoma's back, uh, Welbeck started up top. No Evan Ferguson, that's, that's tough. He, he's not in great form at the minute, but... You still, you look at this team, you see Estupignan, you see Lamptey, you got Pascal Gross, who's one of the most consistent players in this league, probably across the top five leagues in Europe. I mean, that guy's always there when you need him. Uh, and then you look across the front line with Matoma and Buonanate. Lana, I think, is behind the pace, but really good players. And they're not in a great spot uh, this season. I mean, they are in ninth. It's not horrible. They're on 35 points, just... Uh, one point really out of seven. So definitely in contention for Europe. But I think when you look at the players they have and what we know some of them are capable of, Matoma, Ferguson especially, they probably should be higher considering United have been shaky and Newcastle have been really shaky and West Ham are in shitty form now. Um, This team, I think, should be right on that cusp of, of where United is in sixth and they're not. This is a tough loss, especially from a winning position. Uh, but, you know, Tottenham are a really good side. So I'm sure they're not hanging their head too much. Um, but as if, if you're a Brighton fan, that was that was tough to watch. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Brentford up next. This one went 2-0 to the Bees. Lots of folks thought this would be a, a walk in the park for Wolves. I, I thought... This was a vintage kind of trap uh, the morning of the game. I, I put a couple bucks on Brentford. They were a pretty hefty dog. Uh, they scored in the 35th minute through 
uh, Christian Norgard, assisted by Sergio Reguillon, who we know came from Madrid and then was at United. He's at Brentford now. Um, Craig Dawson got one back in the 51st, but it was disallowed through VAR. Uh, Mark Flecken got a yellow card in the 60th minute on a mistake. Then we had Ivan Tony add another on an assist from Vitaly Janel in the 77th minute. Tony's been in really good form since he's come back. Mopai was up top with him again, and they played that. It's it's three in the middle, but you have Roarslev and Reguillon kind of slotting up. That's how you see you know Reguillon getting assists and getting involved in the attacking play. They're definitely better than they were without Tony. I still think there's some work to do at Brentford. Um, they're not really, they're not a draw heavy team. They're going to win or they're going to lose. And that's fine. Um, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Their form is on the up for sure. They're, they're moving up the table. I think they can jump Bournemouth, especially if they continue, uh, their, their poor run of form at the minute, only taking two out of their last possible 15, but it's kind of like the Tottenham situation where you don't really see them. They're not going to be a huge draw team. Tottenham do have two draws in their last five, but it's a lot of just helter-skelter crazy shit. And <clears throat> with you know throwing Tony back in there, uh, you're just getting so much more output on the offensive end. He makes everybody around him better. He's so good at hold-up. He's so good at running onto the ball. He's a danger from outside the box, inside the box. On the Wolves side, we have to say this was a, a step back. Uh, they've got Cunha in there, same uh, as last week, Sarabia, uh, and then Neto up top. Neto playing in that striker position instead of throwing Cunha up there. They're interchangeable. I mean, Neto's better on the right, I think, than he is on the left. But Cunha, after what he did against Chelsea, I thought maybe they'd give him a run up top and let Neto play behind, uh, kind of as like a right wing or, or left wing. Uh, they didn't do that. Uh, and really, I, I just think they paid for this one defensively. Dawson... Max Kilman, not players that have a ton of pace, and they just kind of got bodied when it came down to it. Um, they did have 17 shots, um, five of those on target. Brentford just took theirs much better. They were also uh, the counterattacker, uh, 28% possession to Wolves 72%. I'm sure uh, that Gary O'Neill was very upset with the way that this one went. Uh, but I, I figured there would be a chance that Brentford would be able to sneak something out of it. I didn't think it would be as commanding uh, as it was that they, they played, I thought, really good defense. Nottingham Forest 2, uh, Newcastle 3. Uh, Bruno Guimaraes getting a goal in the 10th minute, assisted by Kieran Trippier. He's back to his assisting form. A goal from Anthony Alanga in the 26th minute, assisted by Morgan Gibbs-White. Fabian Schar, who's been in red-hot scorching scoring form, added one in the 43rd, assisted by Sven Botman. A double center-back assist goal combo. You'd love to see that if you have him in fantasy. Odoi got one in the 51st. He's been in great form, assisted by Nicolas Dominguez. Uh, and then in the 66th minute, we saw the winner through Bruno Guimaraes as well. You know, I, I was having a conversation with somebody this week. I said it, it was before, or I guess it was last week before this game. Bruno Guimaraes is, I said, I said he was overrated. Um, every time I say somebody's overrated, they go out and then prove me why they're rated the way that they are. And and he is such a good player. I mean, there are tons of teams in Europe that are looking at this guy. He made a huge decision uh, to leave Leon when he did and 
come to Newcastle and they were really in the mire when he did it. Uh, and he's proved to be such an unbelievable signing for him, for, for them. When he's on the pitch, you know, you can feel it. Uh, and he's just been amazing. Gordon, Almiron, and Wilson had another quiet game. Uh, but Newcastle's center back scoring is almost up to where Arsenal's is. These guys score so many goals. Burns out there playing left back, which he probably shouldn't be, but those center backs are always in and around, and they're both so fucking big um, that they have a chance. You know, if, if they bring the ball down or they manage to get their head on it, they're going to have a chance to finish, and <clears throat> they they really you know lived up to uh, that reputation in this one. Bruno, I don't know what they're going to do because they're going to have to sell somebody, whether it be Isak, whether it be Guimaraes, um, because of the financial financial situation they're in. If they want to improve uh, depth, which they desperately need to do, and, and we've seen this season they've been so injured uh, that you know they're not really where they want to be. They bombed out of the Champions League because they were so, <coughs> excuse me, just depleted on the bench. Um, and they've been poor in the league as well. They're going to have to sell one of these guys if they want to bring in more quality players to sit behind the quality players you have already on the pitch. I don't know if that's going to be Guimaraes. I, I think he seems to be a player that's bought in. He, he, he came when they were shit, and he's launched them into a new era. I think he stays, but a guy like Isak, I, I think you probably have to move on. He's another injury-prone player that is very good when he's on, but if they want to bring in good players, they're going to have to probably sell a good player or two. And I don't know you know, what that board is looking like at the minute, but I'm thinking that's probably what's coming down the pike for them. <clears throat> on the Nottingham Forest side, this was better. Um, Matt Sells, who's in for uh, Matt Turner, uh, is is terrible. He's probably just as bad as Turner is, if not worse. Um, and that was kind of the story here. He, he was just really poor, probably should have kept out at least one of them. The attacking force of Gibbs White, Hudson Odoi, and Elanga is absolutely rapid. Uh, Odoi has been awesome the last two games, got another goal here. Um, pretty much everything you can ask out of an attacking midfield they gave a one year struggled to get involved but he is just coming back from injury the defense is what lets them down more often than not uh and that was kind of the case here defense and keepers just not being up to the standard they're not in a great spot right now in the table uh 16th on 21 points they've only taken four out of their last possible 15 they have West Ham up next, so that's not going to be a pretty game, but they should at least have a chance, and we're going to get to uh, West Ham in a minute. <clears throat> First game on Sunday was West Ham versus Arsenal, and boy, it was an absolute cookout. They got battered from the off. Arsenal looked unbelievable. A goal from William Saliba in the 32nd, assisted by Declan Rice. A goal in the 41st, a penalty uh, from Bukayo Saka. What a terrible mistake Alphonse Areola made coming out. Another goal in the 44th, assisted by Declan Rice. A goal in the 47th, a screamer top right from Leandro Trossard, assisted by Martin Odegaard. 
then halftime where a majority of uh, <clears throat> the fans stormed out. Uh, Bukayo Saka added another in the 63rd, assisted by Odegaard, and Declan Rice with an absolute belter against the team he came from and loved so much in the 65th minute, assisted by one Benjamin White. Uh, man, it's good to see Arsenal play this way. They took their chances from outside of the box. They finished clinically when they were inside the box. Every single piece of attacking looked great outside of Martinelli, who even Martinelli, I mean, he cooked kudos um, some point in the early stages of the game. Just beautiful Brazilian samba. It was lovely stuff. You, you love to see that. Um, but yeah, everything. The midfield looked amazing. Um, Saka looked fantastic. I thought Saliba and Gabriel were really good defensively, even though West Ham didn't really have that many chances. I mean, we held 71% of the possession at 25 shots and 12 of those shots on target. 50% conversion on your shots on target, you you love to see. West Ham only had one shot on target, and they were truly awful, just not up to the task at all. Um, ben Johnson, I think, is terrible. We saw Wood Prowse in here. Uh, we saw a little bit of, of Calvin Phillips, who came on in the 45th minute. But West Ham are in a really ugly spot right now with their form. Um, they've got two losses in their last two. They have Nottingham Forest up next. We talked about that. You know, they got a chance there. Um, but they have been, you know, pretty shocking the last two games. And I don't know. Um, I, it seems that everybody's kind of out on Moyes again. Um, this is what he wants to do. He wanted to sit back, and we managed to get the goal early this time. West Ham hung their heads, and we were able to capitalize. This wasn't the way that it went the first time. We lost that game 2-1 or 3-1, I think, maybe 3-0. We couldn't get anything going, and if you let Arsenal get going, if you let them possess the ball, um, if you let them shoot the ball from areas where they can maybe sneak it in, then they're very dangerous. And I was I was over the moon with the way that we played. Uh, and I'm sure West Ham fans, I mean, they, they were not happy with the way uh, that they showed up. That that stadium was half empty by half time. Uh, and I think if you let up four goals uh, as quickly as they did, then you're probably pretty justified in leaving. So um, good to see. Not going to rub it in too much for uh, my friend Cook, who's a, a West Ham fan. We'll move on to the next one. Uh, this one, a continued run of good form for Manchester United. Uh, an early goal from Erasmus Hoyland, assisted by Harry Maguire in the 17th minute. A patented Casemiro 37th minute yellow card for descent. The sin bin is going to send him into a, a truly dangerous spot. He's going to get 10 fucking blue cards a game. Um <clears throat> a goal from Douglas Louise and a fantastic celebration in the 67th minute after halftime. And then, of course, who other than Scott McTominay, McSauce, with a goal in the 86th minute, subbed on in the 73rd, goal within 13 minutes, got subbed on for Marcus Rashford, instant impact. This guy, he may be a shit midfielder, he may be a shithouser and just, you know, not really up to the standard of Manchester United's attacking prowess, or at least what they think is their attacking prowess. But when this guy steps on the fucking pitch, 
He delivers every single time. And it's about time that he gets a little bit of respect from the United fans. I think every other club respects him. They know what he's capable of when he makes those runs forward and when he finds the ball at his feet in a threatening position. More often than not, he's able to convert it. And <laughs> those players are are not... They're not a dime a dozen in this league anymore. It's very hard to have a player you can bring off the bench and know exactly what you're going to get. If the ball falls to McTominay's feet in the box or around the box, he's going to give it a fucking chance. And he has. He's done it constantly. He's amazing for Scotland. He has to be played in a forward position. You can't play him as a holding mid. That's just not the player that he should try to be. He's a finisher. He is a genuine finisher. And I think you have to give him a shit ton of credit. I've said in the past, he's a very poor midfielder. He's not good. He's not up to United standards. But the way that they use him, the way that Ten Hag utilizes him and has utilized him has been good. Um, You got to give him credit. I give him a shit ton of credit. He's like my player of the week. We're not going to do that this week because Matt's not here. But um, yeah, ton of credit and and big ups to him. And, And Hoyland as well. He's been on great pace. Uh, he's got like four or five in his last four or five. So really good stuff. Still not seeing what I want to see out of Rashford. Um, Bruno has been okay. Still a bitch complain. You know, that's how he is. And Garnacho, I think has been good as well uh, um, as, as my new he's we're, we're on record about my new, I think he's been awesome. So um, defensively, very solid. Uh, I thought Onana had a decent game for Villa. I, I think, I think there could be a conversation to to be had about Villa, but they're so far ahead of the schedule that you don't really want to slander them all that much. They've they're getting goals from all over the place. Diaby's been off the pace, but I think Watkins has been really good. Leon Bailey's been really good. Um, Douglas Luiz has been solid all season. I don't want to say all that much about them. I just think you know this is. This is this wasn't a great game. They they weren't on it as much as they probably could have been finishing. Um, they did have ten shots on target to United's five, so they were probably the better team. But you have to give credit to United for sticking in it and and getting the late goal. This is a team that all season we would have probably slated to kind of sell and just not show up, especially when it's a very tight game. But they did it against Wolves. They did it against um, whoever that was, the, the FA Cup tie. It was at Newport County. They did it late against them. And they've done it late again here against Aston Villa. So things may be changing a little bit. Um, I took Villa, I think, on the pick. I was wrong. I thought it would be a letdown spot for them. But it hasn't been, and it seems like maybe a new leaf is turning over. Every time we say that, things turn to shit again. But... Um, I really am kind of starting to see Hoyland grow into his role and grow into being a young leader. We're starting to see Hoyland and, and Mainu and Garnacho. They're they're really bonding together and they're the new young core. I'm, I'm using, you know, quotations right now as I'm sitting at my desk recording this, but um, there may be something to that. So credit to United um, and, and credit to those three players. The jury's still out on Ten Hag, but he's got them playing, that's for sure. Final game of the week, Crystal Palace 1, Chelsea 3. Um, 
it didn't necessarily start the way that you would have thought. Jefferson Lerma got the first goal uh, in the 30th minute. Connor Gallagher, my fantasy legend, added another uh, <clears throat> to the total tally in the 47th minute. 1-1 uh, Malagusto with the assist. And then very, very late, uh, Chelsea left it. They got a goal from Connor Gallagher in the 91st again. Cole Palmer with the assist. And then another assist for Cole, Palm Cole Palmer to Enzo Fernandez in the 94th. So they left it very late, uh, but they did get their three points. Chelsea possessed all of the ball, 80%, 14 total shots with five of those on target. Palace did okay with what possession they did have. They had four shots on target on 13 total shots. Uh, but you have to remember that they were without their two marquee players. They did not have Eze. They did not have Olise. Uh, we saw Will Hughes in there alongside Jefferson Lerma in the center uh, you know, attacking mid-rolls. Mateus Franca, a new face we haven't seen all that much this year. Didn't look great. He's only 19. He is Brazilian, so um, you probably see more of him now that we don't have um, Eze and Olise. Olise will be back soon, but I think Eze's got about a month on the sideline again, which is terribly unfortunate um, for, for neutrals who like to watch him like myself. But, yeah, really poor defensively. Uh, Tarek Mitchell... The poor guy. I mean, he he runs all game, um, and they just cannot stop anything. I mean, Palace are so porous at the minute, and um, we saw the result of of this this game today when Roy Hodgson was ousted as the manager. Um, they're bringing. Let me find his name. Um, I believe he. Let me find his name. We're gonna get it right here. Here we go. Uh, Oliver Glasner. So he's been in and around Ralph Ragnick uh, throughout his career. I think he started in Germany um, as a manager. What's the team? It's just going to escape me. Um, come on. So he's Austrian. Um, he was at, uh, in charge of Eintracht Frankfurt. That's the team for two full seasons and won the Europa league in 2021, 22. Uh, they beat Barcelona in that. They also beat West Ham and Rangers. Those were two solid, uh, teams as well, uh, in that season. So, you know, it's a step up from Roy. Uh, I think this guy is a, a Geigen presser. Um, Ralph Ragnick, the father of Geigen pressing. Most people attribute it to Klopp, but that's not actually true. It was Ragnick. Um, this guy's one of his disciples. So you get Palace playing hard, you get them pressing. I think, you know, they're still going to be porous at the back, but you're probably going to have more chances for your strikers and attacking mids and wings to, to kind of step on it and maybe get a couple of goals. So I don't know. I, it's, it's an ambitious hire. I think he's probably a better hire than Graham Potter, uh, or, or somebody of, of that stature would have been. Uh, and we know that's kind of the guy that's been on the short list and that's been around the ground. So I, for one, am very excited to see what Oliver Glasner is able to bring to this club. They need to get their, their star players back for us to be able to see that. But in the meantime, it should be at least entertaining to watch. Going to be a little bit better than I think <clears throat> what, what Roy has been uh, providing. So let us move into the picks for the week. Matt has sent me his. Um, let's see what he's got in terms of <clears throat> scheduled picks. All right, right on the money with me. 
All right, first game of the week, Brentford versus Liverpool. Uh, this game's at the G-Tech. Matt has Liverpool. I am going to take Liverpool as well. I think this is an easy one, especially if Mo is back. Uh, they haven't looked great. They didn't look good against Arsenal. They didn't really look that great against Burnley, but I think this is the bounce back. I like them to win this game against Brentford. The next game, Arsenal versus Burnley. That one's at Turf Moor. Arsenal should be able to get the job done here, even if they throw a ton of men behind the ball. Burnley, that is. Uh, I'll take the Gunners, and Matt has the Gunners as well. Villa versus Fulham up next. That one's a Craven Cottage, so a home game for Fulham. I'm going to take a draw here. Matt's got Aston Villa. Uh, I'm going to continue on the on the road with Rodrigo Muniz. I think uh, he'll be able to have another decent game here, and hopefully Fulham will be able to get a point out of it. Newcastle versus Bournemouth up next. That one's at St. James Park. Uh, Matt's got a draw there. I'm going to take Newcastle. Nottingham Forest versus West Ham. This one's odd. Uh, this one's at the city ground, so it's in Nottingham. <clears throat> Matt's got Nottingham Forest. I am going to be on the other side. I'm going to take West Ham. They've been in poor form, but I think they bounce back here and get the win. Um, <clears throat> then we have uh, Spurs versus Wolves. Matt's got Spurs there. Um, I'm going to take a draw. Uh, no outside backs for Spurs this weekend. It's going to be really tough. I think Wolves are going to absolutely slaughter them on the counter. Spurs probably get a couple of goals of their own, especially against those two slow center backs, but I don't think this is going to be as, as easy as Matt seemingly thinks it will be, so I'll take a draw there. Then we have Man City versus Chelsea. This one's at Tieti had. I, I have to root for Chelsea. I need them. I need them to do something. Man City have a game in hand. It's still sweaty. We're, we're level. Arsenal's level on goal differential now. Um, they think they've got us on goals four. But I'm going to take a draw. I I think Chelsea are going to show up somehow. They got to get If they get a goal early, if they are able to get one in, I think that is going to make City play out really play hard and maybe you get another one maybe you know city are going to score at the end it's going to happen but if you can get a cushion you might be able to sneak a draw i'm going to be hopeful i'm going to take chelsea or i'm going to take a draw matt is taking man city then we have brighton versus sheffield uh oh yeah i'm I'm not going to take sheffield there matt's taking brighton i'm taking brighton then we have Man U versus Luton at Kenilworth Road. Um, Matt's got Man U. I think I'm going to go with Man U as well. This seems like a letdown spot, but I'm not going to let my emotions get to me. I'm, I'm going to take United. I think they win this one. Everton versus Palace is up next. Uh, that one should be an entertaining watch. It's kind of a relegation scrap at the minute. Uh, I'll take Palace with the new manager bounce. They didn't even have a press conference for Roy today because he was sick or something like that. I think maybe he's just a bit embarrassed. Uh, I'll take Palace on a new manager bounce to beat Everton. Um, and Matt's going to take Everton in that one. So we're opposed there. Tuesday, the 20th of February. City take on Brentford. So it's a double points week for City. Um, Etihad. This one's home for City. They've got two games home. 
Um, and I'll take City there. So if it's a draw against Chelsea, I think they win there. Matt's going to take City there as well. And then our last game of the week, Liverpool versus Luton. This one, straight up, going to take a draw. I think Luton um, will be able to capitalize on, on maybe an error or two that the defense makes. Uh, this one's at Anfield, so we know that's very tough. It's going to be really hard, no matter what. Uh, Matt's going to take Liverpool, but at this point in the season, I'm, I'm basically you know, rooting for these results and being biased because I want Arsenal to have a chance uh, to walk, you know, at the, at the end of the year with the trophy. It's been <laughs> really entertaining. Uh, the pain, the suffering, the joy. Um, really, everybody's dealing with it. Liverpool's dealing with it too. They've got plenty of suffering this year. No more Klopp. They've lost some games they probably should have won. Drawn some games they should have won. City had a torrid spell. They lost Holland. We know they're probably going to win the league anyway, but nothing's been rosy for any of those teams that are that are challenging for the title this year, and it's making for a really entertaining watch. I, I can't remember a year where it's been this tight uh, and I feel like literally any of the three teams can win. You know, I, I'd, I'd probably throw my chips if you put a gun to my head and say pick a team, I'm going to pick City. But I think genuinely all three of these teams have a chance. So um, we will see. Um, that is all from me. I appreciate you guys uh, watching this or listening. This was a, about a 50-minute episode. So um, hopefully you didn't get too tired of, of listening to me ramble. My voice is starting to go. So we're going to wrap this one up. Um, thanks for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media. Uh, you can find us on <clears throat> Twitter at the cutback underscore and on Instagram at the underscore cutback. You can also find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple podcasts. Obligatory Apple still hasn't changed the artwork message. Really pissing me off. I feel like I got to call fucking Tim Cook or whatever they get. Tim Apple, that's what Trump used to call him. I got to get on the fucking phone with one of these guys because this is a problem. Um, guys, thanks for listening. Hopefully your team does well this weekend unless you support City or Liverpool. We don't give a fuck about you. Um, and we will talk to you guys all next week. All right. Enjoy. Take care. <laughs>